Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Well, this morning, we are beginning our month-long study of one of the Bible's big ideas. And the big idea we're talking about this month is liberation. Say that word, liberation. That's kind of a big word. You probably don't use it every day. It also means freedom. God brings freedom. And so today I want to tell a story to you. It is probably the greatest story about freedom in the Bible. We call it the story of the Exodus. When the book of Exodus begins... God's people are not living in the land that that God had shown to Abraham. They are living in a place called Egypt. Have you ever heard of Egypt? Good. So God's people are living in Egypt. It turns out that Abraham's descendant, Joseph, had gotten a job with the king of Egypt, who we call the Pharaoh. And Joseph was able to feed all of the Israelites during a time of famine. And then, right, the people moved over to Egypt because that's where the food was. But after 400 years, God's people were not guests in Egypt anymore. They were were slaves in Egypt. And so they they were forced to work without money. And all of Pharaoh's big buildings, all of the pyramids... God's people had to make them, and they didn't get paid, and they were treated very, very badly. And so God called a leader, and this leader's name was Moses. And one day Moses was out walking in the wilderness, and he looked out of the corner of his eye, and he saw a bush, and the bush was on fire, and the bush started talking to him. And the voice said, The voice from the bush said, Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh, to the most powerful person in all the world, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And when they ask you who sent you, tell them that my name is I Am. And so Moses barely agrees. But he does go to the Pharaoh. And he says to the Pharaoh, My God has told me to tell you to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, No. Why on earth would I let them go? And so God starts to think about how can I get Pharaoh to release my people. And so God starts sending crazy things to torment the Pharaoh. 
God turns water into blood and sends frogs and gnats and flies and kills their livestock and sends boils on their skin and storms and hail and locusts and darkness. But Pharaoh still says no. His heart is hard. Finally, God says, I I'm going to kill the firstborn of every child in every household in Egypt. But God says to God's people, if you put some lamb's blood on the doorpost, I will pass over your house and your children will be okay. That night, during the chaos, the children of Israel get up and they leave. They flee into the desert. There's no time to let the bread even rise. They take unleavened bread and they take everything that they can carry on their backs. And they escape across the desert. And there is a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And it is God who is protecting them. This is from Exodus, the 14th chapter. When the Pharaoh was told that the Israelites had escaped... The Egyptians ran after them. All of Pharaoh's horses and Pharaoh's chariots, his chariot drivers and his army, they overtook the Israelites while they camped by the sea. As the Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Sound scared, don't they? But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Well, the angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them to behind them. And it came between the Israelites and the army of Egypt. You want to know what happens then? Let's watch. Let's watch this brief film clip. staff, you shall do my wonders.
courage it took for those people to trust God. And what an amazing thing God was willing to do so that God's people could be free. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's quite a story, isn't it? It's such an explosive and revolutionary story. God's people are slaves, and they cry the deep cry of people who are being denied their freedom. They know, right, that that deep down, human beings are supposed to be free from suffering inflicted by others. We're supposed to be free to determine the shape of our own lives, free to live and move and have our being. People are meant to be free. And so the people cry out in their slavery, and God hears them. Right? God hears them. And God does not simply say, oh, that's too bad. And God does not say, I'm really only interested in your spiritual freedom. God calls Moses and Aaron to lead a revolution. God protects the escaped slaves as the pillar of of cloud and the pillar of fire. When all 600,000 are are carrying their possessions on their backs and standing at the bank of the Red Sea, and before them are the waters, and behind them are the charioteers, at that moment of of, of no exit, God makes a way out of no way. It's God who parts the waters. The people push through. God closes up the waters behind them. The pursuers perish, and the people are free. The message of the Exodus could not be any clearer. God frees. The freedom that God enacts is political freedom. It's economic freedom. It's existential freedom. And it is also spiritual freedom. I would think that people would generally welcome that word from God. And it seems that not everyone likes the idea that God acts toward human freedom. Freedom tends to be more popular with those who are seeking it than those who are asked to grant it. Liberation struggles are always morality plays. There are good guys and there are bad guys. You know, some of us like to believe that the world's power imbalances are natural, that having power over others is just the way it is. Those are our hard hearts speaking. Exodus says that the world is made up of oppressors and oppressed, and God is always pulling for the latter. Over the centuries, all kinds of people have read themselves into God's freedom movement. The Puritans, who arrived way back in the day in the Massachusetts Bay, saw themselves as living out a new exodus. American revolutionaries 
said that they were rising up against their own pharaoh, King George of England. In the 20th century, women and men, leaders in our civil rights movement, saw the freedom movement as God's continuing exodus in our day. But for every oppressed group who fancies themselves as the heroes in this story, there is another group who gets labeled Egyptians. You know, people rarely choose that label for themselves. Those same American revolutionaries were shocked and appalled when abolitionists and former slaves turned the story around on them and said, let my people go. We Christians have struggled, maybe most of all, over what to do with the liberating energies of God. Martin Luther, the monk turned reformer, began his own rebellion against the church that was acting like an imperial power, imposing its authority by coercion and violence. Luther Luther developed what, what remains to this very day as one of the most profound theologies of the freedom of conscience. Martin Luther imagined Christ as a liberating power in the world. He said that we human beings become utterly free. That's the phrase he uses. We become utterly free through our faith in Christ. But then when the poor people of Germany heard Luther's call to freedom, and they asked Martin Luther, doesn't God also want us to have our political rights and our dignity and not go hungry? Luther panicked, and he said, no. No, Christ didn't intend your actual freedom. During the 1960s and 70s, a movement in North and South America called Liberation Theology emerged. The man who taught Beth and I theology at Union Seminary, Dr. James Cohn, was a pioneer of liberation theology, specifically black liberation theology. Cohn declared that that for hundreds of years, Christian theology had been drawn up by colonizers and slaveholders. It was a theology, he said, of, by, and for the Egyptians. James Cohn and, and others, including the Peruvian Gustavo Gutierrez, said, let the people who are living under oppression read the Bible and do theology for themselves you will see that what will happen is that they will, they will hear the Bible's inherent message of liberation and they will not overly spiritualize it. Liberation theologies have been written by white women and brown women, by queer folk and by indigenous people articulating God's role in their own freedom struggles. Liberation theology accomplished two extraordinary things. The first thing it did is is that it said that trustworthy theological reflection comes from the ground up, not the top down. Another way of saying that is, is don't let anyone who does not know you and love you try to tell you who God is. The Egyptians cannot teach the Israelites about God. 
The second thing that, that liberation theology has done is that it has recentered freedom in our awareness of God's activity in the world. Our God is free. Our God loves freedom. And our God acts to make us free. When freedom becomes central to our understanding of our faith, it means that we, as those who love God and are liberated by God, seek our own freedom and we are also called to participate in the freedom movements that are happening around us. Well, what does that look like? It's complicated, isn't it? I mean, let's start with the basics, right? Let, let's start with the fact that freedom is food on the table. When we feed others, they're free and so are we. Folks are even more free when, when, when they can feed themselves. And so we nurture children and, and, and teach children to be responsible and caring adults. We, we pour ourselves into the children in our communities. We make sure there's a good school in every neighborhood for every single child. That is freedom in action. And maybe, maybe freedom uh, means asking why so many people in our market-based system are not free to purchase things like medicine or a home. Right? Like, if you can't afford basic goods in a consumer society, you are not free. It's why we own, our church owns, two homes on our own property, right, that we offer to folks who have formerly been homeless. Those are freedom homes that we own, right? And it's why we work on the policy side of affordable housing. You know, Pharaoh always finds the money for the luxury homes but not for the ones that the people who build those homes can live in. And maybe if we're going to talk about freedom, we should just talk about refugees for a second. You've been, you've been looking all morning at some of the Rohingya refugees. Why in this big, beautiful country were there zero refugees admitted last month? Is this country not big enough? Are we not gracious enough? That those who are fleeing their oppression might come and live in freedom alongside us. And can we talk about freedom for those who are immigrants in our midst who came here to live and move and have their being and work and support their families? Should they live in fear of being deported every day? And speaking about living in freedom... Should we acknowledge that there is no LGBTQ non-discrimination law in Georgia, that you can be fired today or tomorrow or evicted for being gay? There is a liberation movement happening all the time in our own state that is asking us to pass non-discrimination laws. And shouldn't we be free to choose our own leaders, to choose the people who represent us. Doesn't, doesn't expanding freedom mean expanding and protecting voting rights? And if we're going to talk about slavery, let's talk also about our enslavement to carbon-based energy, right? All of us are enslaved. Or our enslavement to white supremacy. How hard our hearts have become over the years. 
And what about our enslavement to technology, that thing in your pocket? Instead of having your own time, we insist on going back to Egypt and yoking ourselves to our devices. And maybe we should talk about our interior enslavements, too, while we're at it. Our enslavement to shame or guilt, to unrealistic expectations. You know, liberation gets really sticky when we are both the Israelites and also the Pharaoh. Every year, every single year, our Jewish neighbors tell again the story of the Exodus during the Passover. And by retelling the story every year, They declare that the liberating act of God was not a once-upon-a-time event. God's exodus is not relegated to ancient history or the shore of the Red Sea, but the exodus is an ongoing movement of God in the world. When you tell the story again and again, and when you keep the story in the middle of your life and the life of your community... It allows you to work with the story, to hear it with fresh ears, to see it with new eyes, and to find God in new and surprising ways. One particular midrash on the story says that that after the waters had closed up, the angels were rejoicing over the deliverance of Israel at the Red Sea. And the angels were playing their harps and singing and dancing until one of them said, wait, look over there. The creator of the universe is sitting there weeping. And so they went to God, the angels did, and one of them asked, why are you weeping when Israel has been delivered by your power? I weep said the maker of the universe. For the dead Egyptians washed up on the shore, each one a mother's son, a woman's husband, a child's father. Freedom is the point of the exodus. Every time we tell The story, freedom is the point. Freedom is the birthright of every human being made in God's image. But when we keep this story in the middle of our life, we will see God moving in new ways. Even though God frees the Israelites, they do not go straight to the promised land. They are delivered for sure, but they are delivered into the wilderness. It is there where they are free from their political oppressors that they are free to wrestle with the deeper questions of what our freedom has been given to us for. Freedom is neither something you can gain for yourself, nor are you to use it 
for yourself. Freedom is something that we discover together. It is the gift of God that we give to one another. It's a daily promise that we keep and enact with each other. Can you do one weird thing with me this morning? Can you turn to your neighbor and put your hand right in front of their nose? Just like, trust me on this one, as close as you can get without actually violating their nose. Go ahead. It's a little awkward, I know, right? There's a great... Yeah, try not to blow your nose on each other's hands. Okay, you can stop. There's a... Or you can keep going if you really like it. There's a, um, there's a great expression about freedom that says that my freedom to swing my arms ends at the beginning of your nose. When the person in front of me is my enemy, I have no reason to hold my hand back. I might just let it, let it keep on going. If that person is my enemy and if they have done me harm and if I want nothing more than to do them harm. But, but Jesus seemed to understand that the goal of our freedom was not to defeat the enemy. The purpose of our freedom is not to pop our neighbor in the nose. It's not to swallow them under the waters and eliminate them. The freedom to which we are called invites us to humanize our enemies, to love our enemies with such fierce and empathetic and merciful love that they cannot remain an enemy any longer. Love. Love and freedom go together. Love is freedom. This day and tomorrow and forever, be free and love and serve your neighbors into their freedom. Let us know God's liberation together. Amen.